Lifespring number 176, an interview with Striper's Kenny Metcalf. Welcome to Lifespring. My name is Steve Webb, and I'm your host. If you're a returning listener, I would just like to say thank you for being here, and it's so very good to see your smiling face again. And if this is your first time here, then please make yourself at home. Take your shoes off. Sit down. Kick back. You're welcome here, and I hope this is just the first of many visits we have together. Here at Lifespring, my main goal is to share the message of hope, love, and good news for those that are good friends with Jesus and those who might have heard of him and yet want to know more about him. There are a lot of ways to share this message, and I've spent nearly four years exploring some different avenues. And lately, I've had the great fun of inviting some of contemporary Christian music's pioneers and luminaries to join us on the show. And today, we're going to have yet another one. Stripers sold out huge arenas in the 1980s, and they were a glam rock band replete with a big hair, makeup, and spandex jumpsuits. Hang on for that interview, and then right after the interview, stick with me for just a couple of more minutes when I have a couple of short announcements to make. Before we get going, though, I wanted to say that right now the PodcastAwards.com nominations are taking place, and uh, if you are a podcast listener, well, let's see, you must be, you're listening to this show, why don't you please go by PodcastAwards.com and nominate your favorite shows. There's a bunch of different categories, and I've got a couple of suggestions for you, which you might kind of guess what they are, so I won't even go you know, go into that. But, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, production, maybe uh, religion, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> go to podcastawards.com, please, and make your um, nominations. Also, I just found out about a place called, well, actually, I didn't just find out about it, but I just got registered for a place called GoodSearch.com. What if you could help support the LifeSpring podcast and have it not cost you a penny, and yet it helps us? Go to GoodSearch.com, and it asks there, there's a, there's a spot there where you can put in your favorite charity. If you would put LifeSpring Media in there and then make GoodSearch your default search engine, every time you, every time you make a search, we get approximately a penny. And if, you know, you guys are a bunch of geeks out there, you guys are making searches all the time, just think how that might add up. And it doesn't cost you a thing. They use Yahoo as the uh, search engine for good search, and therefore you're going to get some good results. So check that out. See if it doesn't, uh, if, if you can't maybe make that switch from Google. I want to thank you if you are a uh, uh, a monthly or a uh, every once in a while supporter of LifeSpring in terms of uh, sending gifts. I want to thank you. It, it would not be possible to do this without you. I also want to thank my sponsors, CovenantEyes.com and 1-800-PetMeds. About nine months ago, Covenant Eyes asked its members what they wanted most. Accountability for PDAs and cell phones was right at the top of their list. So Covenant Eyes right now is beta testing a cell phone slash PDA version of its accountability software. So check that out at CovenantEyes.com. Now, when you sign up for Covenant Eyes, if you use the promo code LIFESPRING, you will get your first 30 days absolutely free. 
They've got a great filter there where it's it's customizable. It uh, it learns on the fly, and so it's really good stuff. CovenantEyes.com, promo code LIFESPRING. And then 1-800-PETMEDS, they have got fantastic prices on your pet supplies, especially your prescription pet medications. I've already told you how much money I could have saved if I had known about 1-800-PETMEDS the last time I took my dog in to the veterinarian, but they've got fantastic prices. And then if you'll use my promo code LIFE, as in LIFESPRING, you'll get 10% off of that their normal normally low price, and you'll get free shipping on any order that's $39 or more. So 1-800-PET-MEDS. I wanted to share a couple of emails here before we get started, um, just to kind of let you know what people are writing and to encourage you to write your comments uh, into the, uh, the email or make your comments on the show notes page at lifespringmedia.com. These were sent to my email at steve.lifespring at gmail.com. This one says, hello, Steve. I just listened to my first complete podcast online due to a suggested link from my brother, Ed Vauder in Oregon. Ed has been a supporter here for a long time, and uh, I've met Ed several times now. He's a good guy. And so he told his brother, Chuck, about the shows. Chuck continues. He says, "Uh, Ed knew that I was a fan of Phil Keggy since first hearing him in college back in 1976. So he sent me the link to your podcast interview with him, and though this wasn't the, what I first listened to, I was more moved to listen to your Who is Steve Webb, the man behind the microphone? And you, you'll see that there's a link there at uh, lifespringmedia.com if you check that out. He says, um, I was very interested in who this friend of my brother is and the context of your podcasts. I must say that I found your story very interesting, inspiring, and easy to listen to. And then he goes on with some more personal things. And so, uh, Chuck, I want to thank you for your email. It's so good to have a new listener. And Ed, thank you for turning Chuck on to the shows. And then here's another one. I got an email last night from Carmen Tyler's mom, Susie. And it says, please read and help me vote. She said, hey, guys, I need some serious support here. The soundtrack for Carmen's original song, Love Me So, has been entered into a contest to be a finalist for the Punisher Warzone movie soundtrack. Stepping back from Susie's email here. Are you a Marvel Comics fan? Are you familiar with the Punisher? Well, they're making a movie about that. And evidently, Carmen's song might be in that movie. Anyway, continuing here with Susie's email. The contest runs until September 29th, 2008, and each play or each play of the song constitutes a vote. The movie is Punisher colon Warzone. I looked at the trailers for it, and it looks like a really exciting movie. It says, please vote for her song, Love Me So, by clicking on this link, which I will have in the show notes page. So come on by lifespringmedia.com. Click on the Lifespring uh, tile, and then you'll come to the show notes page, and then you can click on that, and you can help Carmen to perhaps win this contest and get her song in the movie. So anyway, I will have that link on the show notes page. And then we got a couple of voicemails. Hi. Hi. I just wanted to make a comment about the uh, show In Touch With God's Character. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy it, but I wanted to alert you that the uh, show, I think it's number 41, the Gardener. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to download that show, and it seemed like it downloaded fine, but then only part of it played Uh-oh. on my machine that I was listening to, and I tried it several Mm-mm. times with the same result. Mm-mm. So I thought maybe you would like to know that. But otherwise, I really enjoy the shows, and I enjoy him stories as well. So thanks, and have a good day. 
Well, thank you for the plugs. In Touch with God's Character and Lifespring Hymn Stories are both shows that we do here in the Lifespring Media family. If you haven't checked out those shows, please do. And I'm not sure what happened to your file there. Um, I checked on a couple of different machines here at the house. I, I downloaded it and it played okay on... Actually, I've got, I tried it on three different machines here at home, so I don't know what happened. Uh, I, I hope that you were able to download it and uh, and uh, listen to the whole show. I, do any of you have any ideas what may have happened to her? If so, uh, send an email to steve.lifespring at gmail.com. But uh, if you haven't listened to In Touch with God's Character or Lifespring Hymn Stories, I encourage you to do that at lifespringmedia.com. Now, let's listen to the next one. Hi, uh, Steve. This is uh, Ken. Hi, Ken. I to uh, say I really liked your interview with Phil Kagi. Thank you. I... I have to look it up, but I know that name from before. I don't know how, but uh, I have to uh, have to figure out how I, how I knew the name before the uh, the interview. But anyway, it was very good, and uh, this is I think one of your best shows. Wow! So that's all. Thank you. Bye. Well, thank you, Ken. I appreciate your call. Yeah, Ken is another one that has been listening for a while. We've had uh, several email conversations back and forth. Thank you, Ken, for the voicemail. I really appreciate it, and thank you for the good words about the Phil Keggy show. And if you didn't hear the Phil Keggy interview, that was the show before this one. So this is show number, what did I say, 176? So that was show number 175. Speaking of that, by the way, and I don't even have this in my notes, but um, November 13th was when the very first LifeSpring show went up in 2004. So we're getting fairly close to kind of an important milestone in the history of LifeSpring. So I just thought I'd mention that, and uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that. That'll be uh, the beginning of our fifth year in podcasting. And now before we get to the interview, I'm going to be starting a little short little 10-part little tiny little mini-series here within the context of the show. And what this is is 10 guidelines from God. And I'm going to start with number 10. We're going to count up like uh, Letterman does, but we're going to do just one part per show. So it's going to be 10 shows long that we do this. This is God speaking, and he says, As much as I love you, how can you not love yourself? I created you for one reason only, to be loved and to love in return. I am a God of love. Love me. Love your neighbors. Also, love yourself. It makes my heart ache when I see you so angry with yourself when things go wrong. You are very precious to me. Do not ever forget. And so that's number 10 in 10 Guidelines from God. Next week, we'll do number nine. And now, to introduce you to Kenny Metcalf, you need to know a little bit about the groundbreaking group Striper. They were founded in the early 80s, and they really shattered the image of what a Christian band was supposed to be. They were really the first Christian metal or glam metal or hair metal, whatever you wanted to call it, the very first one of those kinds of bands in Christian music. Their first full-length release, Soldiers Under Command, sold over half a million units worldwide in the 80s and stayed on Billboard's Top 200 album chart for over 40 weeks. In addition to the hard-rocking tunes that Striper's core audience has come to expect, the ballad Honestly from their platinum-selling 1986 release, To Hell with the Devil, hit the Top 40 charts. The video for that song, honestly, rapidly became the number one most requested video on MTV. 1988 saw the near-platinum release of In God We Trust, as well as renewed success on MTV, which was bombarded by thousands of phone requests for Always There For You. 
I could say a lot more about Striper, but let's just get right to the interview. Kenny and I recorded this interview in my backyard, and we also had the video camera going, so be watching Lifespring.tv for some clips. Actually, you're really going to want to see this video because I'll have some footage there that will illustrate part of the story that you're about to hear today. So, with no further ado, let's go. I have with me Mr. Kenny Metcalf. Kenny is a guy that uh, you need to know, and I'm so glad that I've gotten to know. Long story short, I'm going to let him kind of fill in the blanks, but long story short, Kenny is the guy that introduced Jesus Christ to the members of Striper before they were Striper. And uh, he went on to become a keyboard player for the band, toured with the band. And uh, so Kenny is a former member of Striper. And uh, he was telling me a story the other day that just absolutely blew me away and actually what caused this interview. He was telling me how he has a story that really is, in almost every way, a parallel with Job of the Old Testament. And so, Kenny, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then talk to us about this that's taken place in your life. All right. Well, I'm Kenny. Hi. And uh, uh, back in the days of around 1978, I met a, I met this group of guys. They weren't known as Striper then. Um, they were uh, Robert Sweet and his brother Michael Sweet and had a, had a band called the Firestorm Band. This is 1978. And uh, we had all met playing a talent contest, and that was where we all kind of converged for the very first time. Shortly after that talent contest and meeting, the Sweet Brothers moved in on the same street that I lived on. And uh, so we became friends, uh, and our friendship started to grow a little bit. Um, I only lived so many houses from them. Uh, so time went on. They um, they were playing. They became Rock's Regime. And... Uh, I was playing with a band called Amulet at the time, and uh, we all were out, you know, they were doing clubs more than me. I was more in rehearsal studios with bands playing and uh, doing smaller little um, weird gigs like we played for the Lunatic Society, (laughs) crazy Lunatic Society, and uh, we literally pulled up in a limousine, Hollywood premiere kind of thing, and... uh, we all get out, and they introduce us, and TV cameras, everybody's there, and I mean, you're walking down a red carpet, and then they rush you out the back door and put you in another limousine, and they just had limousines circling the building, you know, with the same people showing up and getting out and coming in as somebody else again, and so I was like, those are the kind of gigs we were playing while <laughs> Robert Sweet, and my, they were playing the country club, you know, and uh, Roxy and things like that, so uh, anyways, but... I had I had gone off the deep end and uh, started getting into heavy, heavily into drugs and things like that. Well, God got a hold of my life, and um, when He got a hold of my life, I started to share that with the Sweet Brothers. And I've read in the books that have come out from Striper that the Sweets that they saw the difference, they saw the change in me. So when I came in and I'd start to share with them, you know, who Jesus was and and uh, and and you know, follow Him, they listened to me. And I used to tell my wife, I'll be back in 15 minutes. And those 15 minutes would be like four hours later. Wow. So I'd go in there. God used to put things in my heart to share with them. And until I delivered that message, it wouldn't leave me. I was like burdened with it. Um, and a lot of the things that I actually told them became prophetic and came to pass. But I didn't know that at the time. It was just 
I felt so motivated to have to share something with them about the gospel and about Jesus and, and whatever the revelation was at the time for them. And so uh, after a year of uh, sharing Christ with them, Lord put it in my heart to go in, and uh, confront them and say, you're for me or you're against me? You're, you're going ser- to serve me or you're not? Right. Uh, this day, choose who you're going to serve. Now, one of the things that I had told them uh, that has been published in I don't know how many different ways, the story changes, but I just remember telling them, you guys are a great band. You guys are going to go out and play. People are going to come to your concerts, and they're going to they're gonna listen. They're going to go away. You know, that was a great concert, but you're just a band. Right. <laughs> Which is now the name of my band. <laughs> just but, a band, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, or just another band. But I said, you get the Spirit of the Lord in your life and Him behind you. People come to the concerts to still think you're great, but the difference is they're going to go away changed because of God showing up. And so that was one of the things that I told them and uh, actually happened. Now, I had no idea and this is, that this was going to happen. This was just one guy going in and sharing Christ with them. Their conversion had nothing to do with me. So, uh, you know, for Christianity out there that say, well, I won so many souls to the Lord, you didn't win anybody to the Lord. That's right. Let's, let's make this perfectly clear. God draws all men unto himself. Yes. So he uses us yep. as a tool to go out and proclaim who he is. But his spirit cultivates their heart. Yep. Some water, some reap, some sow. Yep. But he's the one that did it. And he was moving in their hearts. So that day that I went in, it was Michael Sweet, right. Oz Fox, and Robert Sweet. Timmy wasn't in the picture at the time. Uh, he was being witnessed to by somebody else. Okay. Tim Gaines. Tim Gaines. And so they knelt down with me that night and prayed. And asked Jesus into their heart, rededicated their lives, because they were all in backslidden state. Okay. And so, uh, anyways, um, after that, just things started to happen, and all of a sudden they noticed Tim wasn't in uh, the band Stormer anymore. Robert called him up, and Tim came into the picture, and they started playing. And, of course, I believed in what they were doing, and so I'd go over there, and as they had their first album out and different things, they'd give me stacks of them, T-shirts, all kinds of stuff. They were continually giving me box loads of stuff. And I would go out, and I'd witness to kids, and I'd give the stuff away. And so Robert was continually just giving me bumper stickers, anything I asked for. It was, you know, no holds barred. Now, the interesting thing about Striper, Striper was the vision of Robert Sweet, not his brother Michael. Really? That is interesting. Robert Sweet, the vision of Striper was Robert. And, uh, you know, Michael was the younger brother, the singer, guitar player in the band. But all the things that happened in the early days of Striper, those were the ideas that, Ro- that God gave to Robert. Interesting. He was, he was the idea man. Okay. And, you know, God inspired him over and over again. Striper now belongs to Michael Sweet. Right. But that's, you know. Okay. That's how things change yeah. through the years. <laughs> but at that time... Uh, all those things that happened were uh, were them. Now they used to give out, uh, or it was Robert Sweet? Excuse me. They used to give out these uh, these little yellow pieces of paper, and what it was was it was a gospel track from our church. One side told you how to how to ask Jesus into your heart, uh-huh. you know, to be your Lord and Savior, and how to live forever. Right. And the other side had a picture of my church on it. Well, we took that and we started printing them on yellow paper and put stripers face on it and their mailing address. Interesting. Black ink, yellow and black. Yep. Fold it in half, and it was still that same gospel track. Well, I was their resident evangelist when I ended up touring with them. Uh, before, uh, and uh, I'll just finish the thing about the tracks where I go where I was going um, to. Uh, 
we, we went to Magic Mountain, the very first gig I ever played with them. And I had a group of kids with the regular church tracks handing these out to the heavy metal kids and the heavy metal kids would look at it and throw them on the ground. Yeah. I had another group of kids following right behind Pick with a striper oh, okay. track. <laughs> the very same track just had striper's picture on it and hand it to the very same kids. They look at it, look at both sides, fold it up, put it in their pocket. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we knew that now it's a souvenir, yeah. but the word of God won't return void. That's right. So these kids, we got stories from kids, how they have these pinned up on their bulletin board. They kept them. Yeah. They read them. They got saved. Jesus, come into my heart. It, it led them in prayer. Awesome. Um, so we, we gave out, literally, I gave 100,000 out each tour by hand. Is that myself. right? Myself. Wow. I toured with them. Now, before I toured with, with Robert. Now, wait, before, before you go on, I have heard, I, I never went to a Striper concert, but I have heard that they threw New Testaments to the to the crowd from the stage is that true or, yeah. or okay, it is hundred percent okay I didn't know if it was that or if maybe that was just a a a, a, a change from the the uh, the track thing you were talking about but but you did both you yeah. gave the well, tracks they used out to throw and the tracks off the stage but they just kind of like float yeah and they didn't get past the first couple rows got you and so uh, I had to come up with a way that was more efficient to really okay. get them out and so as the kids would come through the door every night during the before the show. Being their the resident keyboardist evangelist, I could go out without getting mugged. You're right. Okay. And I could, as the kids come through the door, I was like dealing cards. Yeah. I was giving them out that fast. Wow. When this hand got, I could go with this hand, <laughs> you know, and give them out. And then when we played big arenas where they had multiple doors, yeah. we'd orchestrate the ushers. Okay. And to give them out. Awesome. Uh, so uh, I gave out a lot, of, a lot of tracks during the, that period of time. And the thing on the Bibles, too, by the way... Um, they uh, they were just the little you know paperback right, bound right and uh, they would throw those out. There was never and the stories that you've ever heard of anybody and any preacher who ever said they were left on the ground and trampled underfoot never happened. Okay, absolute truth. I was there. I saw them. Everybody always wanted them. There were always lines of people after the shows asking for Bibles. Awesome. So uh, now, did you have special editions printed up for the for the band to give out, or did you just? buy them from no, American just, Bible Society they just, or they just bought these little black New Testaments so they put a striper sticker on top gotcha. of Gotcha. Okay. And uh, now before I tr- was touring with with uh, the band Robert he kept asking me he says you know I really just really believe you're supposed to go out on the road with me and uh, you know and play keyboards for us and I turn him down. And I remember, you know, I went home to my wife and said, "Yeah, the guys asked me to go on the road with them." And she says, "Well, what did you say?" I said, "No. I just had, you know, my dad put me in business." Uh, for myself and and how am I going to tell my dad you know after putting all that money out to put me in business that God wants me to go out on the road right well God did want me to go on the road and there were like 10 major doors that said I couldn't do it at the time and every one of those doors were systematically removed really with blessing the final Mm. door was to go to my dad and say dad you know I have this opportunity here I really believe this is God and my dad said go I want you to do this wow I'll take care of the company while you're gone so uh I embarked on the road to go out with Striper, and the interesting thing is, we it wasn't about money. Mm. When I went, it was I left my wife and my two children, and uh, all I got was a per diem every week, two hundred forty-five dollars, which was my living expense. Right. While I was on the road, wow. we'd never. It wasn't about money, and so I went for free. Wow. But the band ended up paying me at the end of the first tour. Mm. Um, they had done very well, and so they did uh, compliment me with a check, and then the next tour i knew i was going to get paid right but i went because that was what god wanted me to do I saw people get healed 
some miracles happen. I saw thousands of people come to the Lord personally, and like I said, handing out 100,000 gospel tracks uh, by hand that were striper tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've met preachers from all over the world that have gotten saved at a striper concert that, are, that, <laughs> oh, cool. are, that are serving God today uh, and finding next generations. Uh, so, I mean, you know, if God tells you to do something, just be obedient to it. Yeah. Um, and that's what worship is anyways, is being obedient to him and what he wants you to do. And so uh, I had no idea it would, it would go around the world and that millions you know, would come to know who Jesus is because of them. Right. You know, and I remember when they first came out. That's when I was working. Uh, I was uh, managing some Christian bookstores, and there's a lot of Christians that did not like Striper because mm-hmm. they were so unlike anything that they had ever seen. They were they were too much like the world with the long kind of the the, the glam hair and the makeup. Even right. I mean, they they wore makeup right, yeah. and, and the spandex. Uh, clothes and, and they just look too much like the world and they weren't playing music like um, Christians are supposed to play. And there was a lot of Christians that just thought that it was just a show, just a way to make a buck. And here Kenny is saying that, that we're, people from all around the world are serving God today because of going to a striper concert back in the 80s. Well, the fruit remains. Amen. And it's still producing fruit. That's how you know it was really a move of God, because there's still people today that are getting saved through what happened and through that music. Mm. So God used that avenue. Yeah. It really did. That is so awesome. So what is God doing in your life now? Oh, uh, he's, uh, he's, the adventure continues. Um, <laughs> I started, I started to work on a book called The Adventure Continues. It's not done yet, but, um, it, it's going to detail what happened, you know, the early days with Striper and, uh, and the adventure that went from there. Okay. And, uh, so, okay. So let's, let's back up to then. So you, you were on the road with Striper for what, a couple of years? I did, uh, their first two record album live tours. So Yellow and Black Attack and Soldiers Under Command. Right. And, uh, so that was 1985 and 1986. So I went from obscurity to my very first show with them was Six Flags over, or Six Flags Magic Mountain, California. And then, uh, which was just, I told Robert, I said, look, I said, I'll give you an answer after the show. If I can, you know, I'm going to go on the road with you. Uh, I said, if I can pull this off, then I'll go. And the very minute the curtain went up, you know, it was like I was at home. Yeah, really. So, uh, um, and all their signs and stuff, all their big uh, neon signs, my dad made all those. Awesome. So, you know, it's quite a history to to look back on. But uh, I went from there to playing uh, Pacific Amphitheater with Great White. Uh-huh. And uh, and then just all over, ending one of the tour, the first tour at the Universal Amphitheater. So I've gotten to play these just enormous things. It was what an opportunity, uh, you know. As a young musician, I dreamed of having gold records and uh, and playing these things. And Striper, you know, they blessed me with gold and platinum albums and uh, from touring with them. Awesome. And I got to do that. It didn't happen the way I thought it would happen. Right. But it happened the way God wanted it to happen. And uh, so uh, time's gone on. And uh, I've continued to be an evangelist and just love people. I've uh, been a youth pastor, raised my own daughters. That is the reason why I left left the band too. Uh, it was it was it's really a hard price to pay to go out and be on the road and leave your children and your wife, who you absolutely love. And so it's a price that uh, I was willing to pay if that's what God wanted. Uh, but I, I struggled with it. And I asked the Lord over and over, you know, you know, if you want me to do this, I'll do it again. If not, I'd rather stay home and raise my children. Mm-hmm. And so uh, 
gave me peace in my heart about being able to leave the band. And so, uh, and and at the time, while this struggle is going on with me, there's they're bringing in the next keyboardist. So oh. God was working it out, prepared my heart. At the same time, I. I was there for the season I needed to be there, and Brent Jeffers took it the rest of the way until the band dissolved. Now, you were also talking about the church, you know, having conflict over that. Yep. You know, you hear all the old hymns that they all sing about, come as you are. Yeah. Jesus says, come as you are. <laughs> well, that's how they were. When Striper got saved, they had long hair, they wore spandex. I didn't. I, I pretty much dressed like I dress now when I was playing <laughs> keyboards for them on stage right at the edge of the stage. You mean you didn't have the spandex? I didn't have to wear Oh, man, I'm disappointed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to wear that stuff, but I did have longer hair. Um, you know, time just kind of changes things yeah. <laughs> a little bit. My face is a little fatter than it was then, too. Oh, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for and we'll that. We'll get into that. So, uh, But anyways, so one of the things when the church would come out in droves and protest them, literally, I mean, signs protesting, these guys are of the devil. Yeah, <laughs> You know, the Bible says to, to sing in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. <laughs> well, you know, what's a spiritual song? Yeah, that's right. Define that. Let's define that. Well, so this, the band used to send me out to talk to the news media, and I just, you know, I'd look at, well, who was here last week? ACDC was in town. Where were you Christians last week? To try to touch the lives of the kids going in to see them. But you're here, and we're going to preach the gospel to these people tonight. Right. And Michael always preached from the stage. He always had a message of of uh, salvation for the people, so it was the, they were the genuine deal. Mm-hmm. They really were, um, and I, I saw it firsthand. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you leave the band, and then what happens when you left the band? You you raised your daughters. Um, you had a business. Yeah, I had a neon sign business. Okay. And uh, how long did you have that business? I had that business for sixteen years. So I uh, had that through the time of my children growing up. And uh, in, that, in that process of time, uh, it, it paid the bills, but I was getting ready to go on the road again. I wanted to take and uh, utilize my talent again because I'd raised my children. Um, too many people put priority of ministry over their family, and they lose their children. And I saw ministry do that. Uh, and God wasn't going to allow that to happen to me. Mm-hmm and my children. And so he put it in my heart to spend my time with them. Uh, they were my first ministry. And, and one of the things that the Lord really impressed on me was, if you can't raise your own children to love God, to love him, you have no right going out preaching the gospel to anybody else and lose your own kids. So priorities of what ministry is has been uh, taken out of... Uh, you know, perspective the wrong way. Right. And so, uh, I believe it or not, I got flack from the church over that in those days. You know, how how dare you think such a thing? But I saw those very same ministries that put me down lose their own kids. Yep. To this day. Sure. And so, and my children love the Lord, and they're on fire for God. They're 25 and 26 years old. And you know what? I have no regrets. The best decision I ever made was leaving Striper. How, how can that be the very thing? Well, because my, my, my life wasn't tied up in being the musician. And what I wanted to do it was surrounded about my children and my wife and nurturing my relationship with them before the Lord and being the priest of my home and loving my children and showing them who Christ was by how how much I wanted to be with them. 
And I think that's that's biblical, because when it talks about the qualifications of an elder in the New Testament, it, they talk about the fact that he should be the husband of one wife and that he should also have good control of his kids. Well, he's not going to have good control of his kids if he doesn't have a relationship with them, if he hasn't made them a priority. So it says that the, the, the person that is qualified to be an elder is one that is managing his house well and is, has his priorities right. And so, Kenny, I'm with you on that, buddy. Well, you know what? I was my, my daughter's uh, surf instructor when they wanted when they wanted to learn surfing. Uh, I went out and bought new surfboards, learned how to do all that again. <laughs> I used to surf. Uh, became their uh, comic relief as their coach for Bobby Sox softball. Um, my wife was the manager of the team, and you know, I'm a musician. I'm, <laughs> I'm not that, so I was comic relief. But I spent those years watching them play. I never missed their games. I was there for what they wanted to do. And they saw that I love them enough to put my desires aside yeah. for them that they want to follow the God that I told them about. Yeah. And so you, you can minister to your family that way. Right. It's amazing how they look at your example. Well, I've seen so many kids being a youth pastor where their parents didn't have time for them because they were so involved in ministry, the kids felt neglected. I don't want your God. Right. Yep. You know? Sure. I don't want your God because your God took you away from me, right. and you didn't have time for me because he was more important. Well, there's a priority. I've always taught this. It's God first, family second. Then how you provide for your family is third. Whatever time you got left over after that, there's, there's ministry or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the priority is if God is first in your life and then your family, your priority is right there. You lead just them to him They'll affect another generation yep. successfully. It's not about numbers. It's about sincerely, you know, reaching somebody for Christ by example. Live it. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. That's, and so that's what I tried to teach my children. Right. And now they're adults on their own, and, and they're passionate for Christ. There you go. Good job. Well, thank you. Yeah. I wish you could take credit for it, though. I'll tell you, they look like their mother. They don't look like me. Oh, well, that's probably good. (laughs) So you were telling me then, uh, we're going to jump ahead, I think, here. But you were telling me about, um, you were at church one time, and a woman said that she had a word. Oh, yeah. uh, That related to your life. Yeah. Talk about that. Well, that was uh, seven or eight years ago. And... uh, she, uh, in fact, there was there was a big convention of ministers in in from all over the world at the church that I was attending at the time, and uh, I was not going to the convention. I was just upstairs uh, doing the praise for kids, and I'd been doing that for a couple of years. I just loved putting into kids, and so uh, I had a whole band, and we would do it up the right way and just have a good time with them. Well, uh, one of the ministry that was special guest there uh, speaking, came through and saw me and said, tell that guy to come to the meeting tomorrow night. I got a word for him. So I get there. They make arrangements to get me in, give me a pass and everything. And I get in and I said, hi, I'm Kenny. You wanted to see me? You had a word for me or something? And he calls to his wife across the platform and says, prophesy over him. I'd never seen anybody do that. Wow. And she came up and for the next 11 minutes read my life. From being involved with Striper and and touching people's lives to things that haven't actually happened yet to things that were going to happen as well. But one of the things that, that was spoken was, uh, Kenny, 
I see the Father in heaven boasting to the angels about you. Have you considered my servant Kenny? Now, that sounds very biblical. And as far as I know, that is in only one book of the Bible. Yeah, it's the book that nobody wants to live. Exactly. It was the book of Job. That's when <laughs> Satan came to God. And God says, have you seen my servant Job? Yeah. Well, I and did you I, recognize that? I recognized that word instantly. It didn't mean it settled in me. You know, uh, I, I was very uneasy about that because uh, I knew exactly what that word was. And so uh, I've been told by people that, you know, if somebody prophesies over you, put it on a shelf if it doesn't necessarily, you know, agree in your spirit. If you're not certain about it, kind of put it away. Because if it's God, it's going to happen. If it's not him, don't worry about it. And so uh, I kind of just wanted to forget about it, but I knew exactly what it meant. Another uh, about three years went by, and during that process, I lost my business. And then I received, uh, I, I was uh, teaching young kids, I had an explosion of kids at my house that we'd been teaching for two years. And uh, it came from 20 miles from every direction. And we basically believed in, uh, you know, actively having them do the things of the, of the Bible said. So when we taught them on baptism, we didn't bring them in the waters and just baptize them. We had them baptize each other. We taught them on foot washing. And after we taught them on foot washing, we walked in with pans and we had foot washing. Um, so, I mean, this was stuff that was going on during that time. And and just an explosion of these kids, equipping them to go out and do it so that they could actually, if they led somebody, you know, no, excuse me, not led somebody to the Lord, but if they witnessed to somebody and Christ, you know, comes into that person's life, they could go out and have them and baptize them and teach them. And so we equipped young kids, and this was junior high, high, and college age, hmm. all together at the same time. 60 kids in my house. <laughs> and uh, and you and you live in a mansion, right? No, I was a tiny house. Boy, it smelled like a gym locker sometimes, but it was wonderful. And so uh, I remember I came, I came to the kids one night, and I said, listen, I said, I have a word for you guys tonight. And uh, I said, you have to be ready for change. Be ready for change. Accept change. God is in change. But be ready for it. This is going to be a year of change. Huh. And uh, <laughs> I got home that night from, from uh, teaching that message because we had actually had to move. Um, we, we had moved. I had become a youth pastor for Leon Patillo at the time. Okay. At, for a year. And uh, his Rock House Church. And so we had moved it to his house in Huntington Beach, the whole Bible study. Wow. And uh, so I come home that night. There's a note on my table from the landlord I'd rented a house from for 16 years. And he says, you have 10 days to let me know if you want to buy the house or 30 days to get out. Wow. I'm selling it. We, we knew we, we didn't want to buy the house. And um, we'd lived in there and our kids grew up there. And so uh, we got out in 10 days instead. Wow. And put everything in storage. But everything, our animals went to different homes because we didn't have any place. And we couldn't find a place at the time. My youngest daughter went off to college. My oldest daughter was getting married in another month. Mm. Talk about change. And so radical change. And so I lose my business, lose the home. And then my, my, um, uh, I'm working in the music industry at the time. And uh, I was A&R for a company called Java Music, and they'd actually built that company off of my vision hmm. that God had given to me that I had shared with 
my bass player for a year while we were working on a project of mine. And he got so inspired, he went out and started Java Music. Wow. And then when it got to the place where he didn't know what to do with it because he had bought, brought in all these uh, investors and stuff to run it, well, they got rid of him. But I was promoting the company because I believed in the vision. Right. And so they asked me to come on board and work for them. And so I worked for them for a year and three quarters and because I believed in the vision. And, uh, and then they just mismanaged their money, and so I ended up leaving that. And so in that process of time, I started working for County of L.A. as a, as a public speaker teaching elections, hmm. of all things. <laughs> and during that process of time um, – my 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 daughter my my firstborn Charlene uh, was pregnant with her uh, first baby on the way and uh, it, it died in her womb and so uh, now I've lost my business I lost my home I lost my firstborn's firstborn and then uh, shortly after that I was asked by a man to uh, come and work for him so he he wanted to do some big things he was supposed to be really very well off man offered me a good sum of money to come and work for him, but it was all a scam. And even all the ministries and people that I knew that knew him said he was legit. Hmm. And so I started to work for this man, rented a condo. The condo had mold in it, and I started getting sick. And I started developing sores in my mouth. I couldn't eat. Now, there's no proof that it was because of the black mold behind the walls. But uh, for that... But it's quite a coincidence. Yeah. And so from the first month I moved in, my breathing changed, and I was having a hard time breathing. And uh, within f- five months, I started developing sores in my mouth, and I couldn't swallow water. It took eight months for doctors to diagnose what I have. And it's a disease they have no cure for. And I started having lesions and sores covered from head to toe. And I kept dying, and it was getting worse and getting worse. Couldn't eat. It was losing weight. This fat face you see right now is all drug-induced right now. Keep, you know, steroids, uh, the Jerry Lewis kind of syndrome thing that's made me uh, overweight. Um, But I started getting so sick that I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. I had lesions everywhere, my eyes, my nose, my mouth. If I closed my lips for more than 10 seconds, they would stick together and the skin would tear off. Mm. That's my, my body would not – the skin wouldn't stay on my body. So I was bleeding from head to toe. I couldn't wear clothes, just oozing all over. And it's like, God, how does this happen to somebody that loves you? How does this happen? How does something so bad like this happen? And so you start to search within yourself. Did I bring this on myself? Right. Ministries that I know said, no, this isn't your fault. This is just an attack of the enemy. Well, I've come to learn that God sits on the throne. Yes. Nothing happens without his approval. Right. He allowed it. Right. A lot of people don't want to accept that, that God will allow things like that to happen in our life. Now, in, say, in saying that God allowed it, that does not necessarily mean that he caused it. Correct. He allows them. And so all of a sudden I found myself living Job's life. I had lost my business, lost my home, lost firstborn of my firstborn, and now my flesh was attacked. Curse God and die? My wife never said that. I was going to ask you. That was in my mind to ask. Never said that. Never said that. What about your friends? Did you have friends like Job's friends? Or? I actually did. I actually did. I went through that. Um, that's over. It's no big deal. Okay. Um, uh, we're all friends. Good. Uh, no animosity. Good. But you know what? You can't, you can't be laying on the bathroom floor dying without asking God, 
what did I do that caused this? Yep. Or who who have I offended? And then go, Holy Spirit, show me who I need to forgive. Mm. Show me what I need to do yeah. to change. And yet get up and look in the mirror at yourself every day and find a new wound mm. somewhere on your body that's just, I mean, I, I was covered with open wounds that wouldn't heal. And I was pouring peroxide on myself because I didn't know what else to do to keep myself from getting infected, uh, which is painful in itself. But I didn't have any medication that that I could take that would really help. And so... Had you been to doctors? Yeah, they didn't know what it was. It took them eight months to diagnose me. Went to dentists first because my gums were peeling off. And, uh, I mean, literally, you, you know the middle of white bread, how soft that is? If I bit into that, it would tear my gums off. Mm. That's the softest thing you can think of. Yeah. You know, and I mean, so that's how painful it was. And so the the situation just kept getting worse and getting worse. And um, I, I literally would have God tell me in my spirit, I will raise you up. And he'd show me the the scriptures on the valley of the dry bones. Can I put flesh on these? Can I do that? Can I raise them up again? I can do that for you. So I'd look in the mirror and I would say, you're healed in Jesus' name. I'd quote every scripture in the book that we've ever been taught to stand on the word of God. And I believed it. But you know what? I kept getting worse and getting worse and getting worse and getting worse. And every day I'd wake up from sleeping on the bathroom floor because I couldn't be anywhere else. I was bleeding everywhere. That I mean, I'm crouched up in a ball. And stuff sticks to me. And I get up and it tears the flesh off of me again. So, I mean, I, I know what it feels like to be scourged, uh, you know, to a sure. degree. Not the same as where something's lashing into you. But the tearing off of the skin, right. I know that. I know that feeling. And it's horrible. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I asked God to kill me three times. It hurt so bad. I was so willing to leave this world, the very ones that I love, and my grandbaby, even of all things, because my daughter has a has a, a an, another child now, and uh, I was willing to leave my 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 wife, the love of my youth, and and it was that painful. Mm-hmm. But every time, and I'm just being honest, okay, this isn't grandioso. When 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 I asked God to kill me because it was so painful and it hurt so bad, I said, nevertheless, not my will, yours be done. If this is what you want for me, then I'm okay with it. So he brought me to a place where I was willing to die for him. Now, in that, he taught me about intimacy with him. I had an intimacy with the Father that Jesus said, I wish that you would have, or I would that you would have, that same relationship with the Father that I have. Well, Jesus walked in the ways of his Father, which is why my praise project is named that. Jesus wanted us to follow in his footsteps. Well, he says, I only do the things that the Father shows me. Right. And so there's an intimacy factor that he had that nobody else had. Right. And that's what he wanted us to have. Yes. Well, you can't be dying. When you're dying and there's nothing you can do for your mortality, you have no control over it and neither do doctors. And there's nothing you can do. You either love God or you hate him. You either run to him or you run away. And I ran closer to him. And he started showing me his secrets. Mm. And he started showing me what worship is. The difference between worship and praise. We talked a little bit about that. And, and there's secrets that aren't being taught that he showed me that are powerful. But the intimacy factor with him is something he desires from all of us. But you know what it requires? Worship. Talk about that. Okay. Man will praise God 
and God will praise man, the Bible says. Man is commanded to worship God, but God will never worship man. So when you see those two separations of what praise and worship is right there, with my mouth I will praise him, with my lips, with my heart. You know, I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll enter his courts with praise. Yes. There's a distinct difference between the two. Songs are praise. Okay. Now, I'm trying to remember where it says God will praise man. Oh, there's, there's scriptures that talked about how God praised man. Even where he, he boasted over Job. Yes, okay. He was saying, is there anybody like him? Right, okay. Okay? But he will not worship man. But man is commanded to worship God. So the definition came down to what is worship. And God showed me, there was, a, there was an Old Testament scripture where Abraham, God told Abraham, I want you to kill your only begotten son. Yes. So obedience to the word and being a doer of it, okay, Abraham sets off grieved in his heart, no doubt. This is going to be one of the hardest things he's ever going to do. Right. He's going to kill his only son he's waited all his life for. But he gets to the foot of the mountain and he looks at his servants and he says, wait here. The boy and I are going to worship and will return. Well, what does the word worship mean in that setting? He knows he's going up to kill his son. He's, Abraham is dying to himself, his desires to fulfill the desire of God. The plan of God. What God told him to do was more important. So it wasn't about Abraham anymore. It was about what God wanted Abraham to do. And Abraham's obedience to that was worship. So obedience is a form of worship. Yes, And it was death to Abraham, it was death to his son, it was death to their desires. So now let's jump into a New Testament example. Jesus said, you want to follow me, deny yourself. He's talking about worship. The second thing he says is, pick up your cross, which is death to self. Mm -hmm. And then after you do those things, follow me. So in my dying, literally physically dying, he's showing me revelation of what worship is. And the church of today hasn't entered into worship. They enter into praise. But there are those that are out there that, I mean, they'll do anything for God. Right. And they they live it, but it hasn't been taught that that's what worship is. So in your mind, then, worship is strictly obedience? Well, no, it's, it's, it's... death to yourself. Remember, there's scriptures that says, you were bought with a price. You are not your own. Your life is not yours. So when you ask Christ into your life and he becomes your Lord and Savior, he is your master. It is no longer about you and what your desires are. But we have been so conditioned to, well, this is acceptable and this is acceptable and you're allowed to have your own will. Well, it's not about my will anymore. It's about his will in my life. And so, you know, when people were brought before kings. They laid as dead before them. It is what is your desire over me because you hold the keys to life over me. Right. You can cut my head off anytime. Well, that is the we, are, we have the king of kings and he bought us with the price. Yes. Our life is not our own. So the reality of what worship is is when his will is in our life in obedience. And so it's not about my plan anymore. And so when I was saying that, I was ready to put my band together, my kids grew up, and go back out on the road because I had prophecies over my life that said I would play music again. Mm -hmm. And I would do it, you know, 
big big time again things right. would happen whether that happens it doesn't really matter to me anymore mm-hmm. I, I, it doesn't really honestly matter what matters is where i fit in god's plan every day right where do i fit in his plan and so the book of the revelation of jesus christ which we talked about earlier all right that opening statement is what that book is about it's the revelation of who he is yes he is alive he sits on the throne and everything that happens, good or bad, he is orchestrating and allowing and to usher him back. And all the other stuff that happens is just the stuff. But he's alive. And so it's not about us. It's not about my plan. It's about where I fit in to his plan every day. And so that's where every day his will has to come before mine. I surrender that to you today, God. What do you want to do in my life? Mm Mm-hmm. And so these are the lessons that he taught you when you were laying on that floor in the bathroom, just oozing some of them. Yes. And so you were able to praise him at the very bottom. Absolutely. And you learned about worship. And then so how did you come out? I mean, you're sitting here. I don't see any source. What happened? (laughs) Well, uh one of the things that had happened during during the process of time when they figured out what I had, yeah. they were putting me on these amped up, really harsh drugs that they, I had to go through these blood tests. And, and I was like, you know what? I've seen God do miracles in my life in the past. I saw him deliver me from drugs in, in uh, 1979, uh, set me free in an instant of time without a withdrawal or anything. And I'd had God intercede in my life like that. So there's no reason why he wouldn't raise me up from this. Right. So when the doctor said, we're going to put you on all this stuff, and it's the only thing that's going to keep you alive, I said, you know what? I'd rather put my, my, myself in the hands of God than the hands of man. And so I had to fire the doctors in hmm. order to do that. Well, you know what? I started going to see naturalists and everybody else and people praying for me. But the things that I was taking... We're amping it up and speeding it along quicker. Hmm. So I was dying quicker. Wow. And so ended up, it got to the place where I was completely covered from head to toe. I had a hole this big on the top of my head. Actually, uh, my perception on things was way off. And I've scalped myself twice wearing a hat just getting into the car hmm. and tore my scalp completely off. Ooh. And, uh, you know, and this was before the hospital. I mean, it was painful. Um, as it was, as horrible, I'd go in the house literally shaking and just pour peroxide on my head mm. and cry. I cried every day. And, and you know, one of, the, one of the interesting things is there's peace in the midst of the problem. And that's what was confusing to me because God would tell me, I will raise you up. And I'd have this peace, but every day I woke up and I was sicker right. and dying. And so finally, the day, on um, a, a week before... Uh, I landed in the hospital. Uh, 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 Tim Gaines, the bass player from Striper, went to his church and um, was telling them. He'd been, he'd been having his Bible studies and prayer chains. People all over the world were praying for me that knew me through Striper and friends. And, you know, the church universal was praying for me. But I was just getting worse. And, and so one of, uh, one of uh, the guys at, at um, uh, Tim Gaines' Bible study uh, was in the group— uh, Bloodgood, mm-hmm. David Zafiro. And God told David to fly out and pray for me from Nashville. Mm. So he came out the week before I landed in the hospital, laid hands on me. But I, and believe me, if you've ever been in a cancer ward, anybody whose flesh is rotting on them, it's putrefying. I smelled that bad. And it's like, how can this happen to a man that loves God? Yeah. But it happened. Right. And so he comes in, he lays hands on me, and he was shocked that God didn't heal me right away mm. because God told him to do this. So he went home a little discouraged. Well, the, a week later, the following Sunday, um, three significant things happened. David gets up in front of his church and asks them all to pray for me. Big church in 
out of Franklin, Tennessee, in that area. Mm -hmm. They get up and pray for me. And then that evening, my oldest daughter's pastor comes over and gives me communion. Mm. Now, I'm wearing a sheet, and it's just sticking to me. I have hardly any energy left in my life. And I I walk out, and I get communion. I considered it my last rites. And then... um, the uh, other thing was my sister-in-law, whose house I'm living at at the time, uh, still live there, but uh, they were building a room, a special room addition on for me because I, I can't work. Still, I have that problem. Uh, but uh, she re- runs into a nurse at a, at a thing at her church, sitting at the same table at a fellowship, and says, you know, my brother-in-law can't put Band-Aids on his arm over his wounds or anything. They create more wounds. Right. She asked him, what does he have? She said, he has pemphigus vulgaris and she says my gosh bring him into the hospital at uci tomorrow to the burn center we can help him we've had four patients come through here that we were able to help the fifth one died but we haven't had any patients in 20 years and we've had four in one so the next my wife basically when she got that information that night from my sister-in-law she says you're going tomorrow morning or afternoon which do you prefer Mm -hmm. and i just put it off because i was done i was i was done I was ready to go home. I had made peace with God, and uh, I had repented of anything that I could. And by the way, I learned something else about forgiveness. You know, when, when, when we're supposed to forgive others, the way you do that, it's impossible for us to forgive. Mm-hmm. But the way to really forgive and forget is the only way through is through the Holy Spirit. You ask Him, help me forgive. And so when you're saying, I forgive you, the way to forget about it is through the Holy Spirit because He puts ours, ours in the deepest sea of forgetfulness. Yes. Oh, that's how it works. So He taught me that. And by the way, on my praise project, most of the songs that are on the praise project that I have that we'll talk about in just a second. Yeah. That um, they were written during this time of dying. So there's a lot of treasures in those songs that He gave me, and it's not a doom and gloom thing. <laughs> my perspective of who He is is how wonderful He is right. while I was dying. So you can be in the midst of that stuff and just be in love with Him. Yes. Um, so anyways, I ended up uh, that morning, uh, I was going, I was literally fading. I hardly had a pulse left. My, my, uh, my oldest daughter called my wife, come and get Dad, take him to the hospital. He's going. Mm. And so they picked me up. They ran me to the hospital, uh, to UCI. And you see, I was actually um, the place to take me. Mm. Uh, but they put me in the burn ward. And uh, as they were running me upstairs, my eyes were rolling back in my head. I was on my way out. My wife says, you're not going. Mm. And uh, something happened. I'd never been healing, even on the medications that I had been on. And from that day, I started to heal. But I'll tell you, you know, the story of Esther where it talks about Esther, you know, and she was bathed in these perfumes and all these things. They were like an acid dip. Mm. (laughs) It wasn't something that was just a wonderful thing that she went through. Well, what they do to a burn victim is they put you in warm water every day, as hot as you can tolerate. They soak your skin, and then they scrape it off Uh. with a washcloth. It feels like they're dragging. Sorry. It feels like they're dragging stuff and scraping you. I had everything. It, anything that could come off had to. And uh, I was on the highest doses of morphine you could imagine. Right. A- and Norco and all these pain. And I felt it all. But you know what? I put on the praise project that he had given me. And I would sit there and I would praise him in the midst of while they would wash me down. And I have, would have peace in the midst of it all. And, and so he started healing me. And I was in the hospital for three weeks, 
And then they released me, and I continued to heal. But my wife had to go through this. And you know what a wonderful woman she is. God gave me the right lady because when I was unlovely, she loved me when I was unlovely. When I was so putrefied to the stench of my my decaying skin, and she embraced me and Mm. loved me and my children. And it's like, you know, that's really the love of God. Yeah. And what a friend I have in Jesus, but what a friend he gave me and my spouse and my mate. And so she had to continue to do this. And by the way, I was bandaged up like a mummy. And if anybody would like to see that miracle uh, you can go to myspace.com forward slash Kenny Metcalf miracle page and we'll have links on the show notes page too so uh, and you can see the slideshow and really see the miracle yep. but between seven or eight weeks I was uh, I was wearing clothes again and and starting to get out uh, physically still have limitations my immune system still compromised in areas uh, God didn't completely restore me yet but it's know, a process. It's a process. And you can see it progressing. Absolutely. And you're sitting here and, and you look, Two I know you're not. <laughs> I got hair again. You know? Oh, there you go. I wondered what was under the cap. I thought, well, he's wearing the cap because he's still bald up there. Oh, but now there's hair. Hair's thinned down a little yeah, bit. That's all right. So is mine. And I didn't have that. <laughs> and I turned 50 this year and I never thought I'd live to see 48. Uh. So and so, know, it is a miracle. It is a miracle, and uh, you know he uses modern science and medical doctors. Of course, too. he does. Yes, and uh, I've come to learn that. Uh, it, you know, but it's it's his will, and it touched the lives of the people in that hospital. Now I'm on staff at UCI to go in and pray with people and talk to people, encourage people. I have a badge they've given me. I went through courses, so God even opened up that door yeah. so I can go in. But they use the same praise project that I listened to in the burn center. When these victims are going through that scraping, um, uh, hydrotherapy, they call it, and they listen to that. And they, use, they actually use some of the more mellow stuff in the, the sleep depravity <laughs> because it soothed the people. So it's like it's about God, where we fit into his plan. Was it worth it? Yeah. Would, would I have wanted to go there if I'd have known about it? Well, I knew about it to a degree because he had, he had given me a warning to let me know. It's coming in that in prophecy, but it happened. But but he restored Job. He's restoring me, you know. And and we, you know we look at, we read the story of Job. You think it just happened like overnight, but I don't think it happened overnight. I think everything happens in a process of time. Of course, you know. And, and Job had more than he ever had. And it's not about money to me. Oh, here's a treasure. Here's a really wonderful treasure. You know, um, we, we hear the messages of the streets of gold and, and the, the crystal water that flows from his, his throne and the tree of life and, and the mansions that are prepared for those that love him, you know, and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. It's just stuff. You know what's really wonderful? Is there was a man, he found a treasure in a field. And when he did, he bought the field for the treasure. And while I was dying, I realized what the treasure of heaven is. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. Nothing else. To have him is, is, is heaven. That is it. It's not all the other stuff. That's right. That's just our flesh. Yeah, that's to, right. You know, looking at being in, Being in his presence, that's it. Him. He's yeah. the treasure of heaven. That is something I learned while dying. He is the treasure of heaven. Amen. All the material things in the world didn't mean a thing when you're dying. Yep. Because you know you can't take it with you. And they don't mean a thing. Car payments, motorcycles, I got a beautiful motorcycle. doesn't mean a thing. Those things did not matter right. at all. So anyways, uh, I have a praise project. Um, being a musician, 
uh, working on the Praise Project, one of the things I started, he started dealing with me the same as he dealt with um, the situations when he overturned the tables of the money changers. And that his house is a house of prayer. Well, we're the house of the Lord. Uh, he dwells with in, in temples not made with hands. Yes. But uh, churches become big business, and this evangelist confronts issues like that and different things. And even the music industry, they sell praise for profit. Well, the laborer is worthy of his hire. All these scriptures have been given to make it okay to sell praise. Mm-hmm. All right? And so this is where God challenged this man. Freely you have received, freely give. Praise was given to us to give back to him. Those songs were given to us to give back to him. And, and a lot of the stuff that's written, it's only been written for money. Even somebody that both of us know. He's, he's told me that he knows a lot of these songwriters that, that write the songs that are sung in churches, and they only do it for the money. And they charge that CCLI license. Right. You can't sing that praise to God in church unless you pay them the royalty. Well, that's where this evangelist was challenged by God. And I really believe when Jesus told his disciples to go out, don't take anything with you, I'll take care of you. Right. Go. Just go, I'll take care of your needs. Well, when you're doing the vision of the King of Kings and his kingdom, he provides everything you need. If it's your vision, you're going to have to raise funds for it. His challenge to me was the praise songs that I'd written to give them away. So in CD form, the ones that I've made, I I continue to give them away everywhere I go. There's no charge for them. There's no charge for a church to sing the praise songs that I've written, that he's given me to sing back to him. Mm -hmm. There's no CCLI license needed. They're free. And I give them away. Uh, and now to the, the wonders of the Internet, you can download music. So the only out-of-pocket cost is the studio time. Right. And he's given me all the equipment that I need to cover that as well. Okay. And so to give these songs away, that's what I want to challenge those that really have a heart and passion after God. You know, give it away. Because where there's kingdom vision, there's kingdom provision. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, I've played for different... Um, people for their different events of, uh, you know, uh, seminars and things, and I've come in and done the praise, and literally, the honest truth is, I give the product away, and somebody will give me something, Mm -hmm. and it covers more than the cost if I'd have sold them. Mm. It doesn't happen all the time, but you know what? God has always provided it when I need it. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about me. It's not about money. It's about where do I fit into his plan? It's about where do you fit in his plan? Let, let the kingdoms, and, and, and by the way, the, the kingdom of God is Jesus. It's him. Mm-hmm. Let his vision just permeate your being. He'll take care of every need you have. Living proof. So um, for people to download the music, where do they go? Justaband.com, J-U-S-T-A-B-A-N-D.com. And again, that'll be on the show notes page as well. So I noticed that you were very careful to say this evangelist has been challenged this way. Are you saying, I don't think you are, but let me ask, are you saying that you think it's wrong for people to sell their product in order to continue their own ministry, to continue to be able to, you know, keep that particular wheel rolling? I think it's up to the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit, not me. Okay. Uh, and on the, the, I have other songs that I've written that aren't praise. I can sell those. I can sell that product to support what I'm doing, but the ones that are specific that could be sung in church unto him Mm -hmm. in a corporate setting, I'm giving those away. Okay. That project's called The Ways of My Father. I want to walk in the ways of my father like Jesus did, and that's that's the title track on that album, actually. That's not a bad way to walk. 
No, that's not. <laughs> but I think there are those that might think that you're trying to point fingers to say this is what you need to do. But you're you're very careful to to not do that. You're just saying correct. Let the Holy Spirit deal with them the way He wants to. And yeah, yeah. But you know what? So, sometimes we have to challenge the system too and say, you know. Uh, just because we live in this day and age we live in doesn't mean that everything is right. Doesn't mean that all the doctrines are right that, that are out there. Yes. Um, there's there is room for correction, and and to think that we know it all is absurd. Of course. So uh, maybe there are just a few things out there that aren't taught correctly. Uh, maybe there are some things that the motivation started out correctly but got twisted. And then we uh, make it okay. We uh, what's the word that I'm looking for when you when you you know you rationalize it or rationalize it. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what's happened in the music industry and uh, in in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And we need to we need to get back to our first love. You know, repentance means to turn from something and not do it again. Yes. And so, you know, as, as a music, uh, as, as ASAFs, as those that are the next generation, we need, to, we need to repent from why we do what we do. Why do we do it? Is it for the money, for the fame, for those things? If it is, it's the wrong motivation. Yep. But if it's because Christ really wants to impact something and we're doing it in obedience to him, then we're doing it for the right reason. He'll take care of our finances you know, I'm not going to reach up for this prosperity anointing. Right. I'm not going to reach up for this thing and take it. It's like, no, I want to walk in his way. Right. Let him do it. Amen. Let him cover me. That's a good good way to end it, too. Let him cover us because he does. He guarantees. He makes that promise that if we seek him first, he'll provide everything that we need. And what a good way to end. And Kenny, thank you so much for being with us today on LifeSpring TV. I love you, brother. And uh, I'm, you. I praise God with you that he's in the process of restoring you. And um, thank you for being with us today. All right. Thank you, Kenny Metcalf, for spending time with me. I know it's been kind of a long show, so I, I just have a couple of things I wanted to say here to you. Number one is there may be changes afoot here at LifeSpring Media. So if you subscribed to the show over at the Pod Show or the Mevio website, could you please resubscribe either through iTunes or over at the LifespringMedia.com website? Like I said, there may be changes afoot, and I don't want to lose any subscribers. So if you subscribed to the Pod Show or Mevio feeds, please be sure that you make that switch. Thanks again to listeners like you who help to support LifeSpring Media with your gifts and our sponsors, Covenant Eyes and 1-800-PET-MEDS. And also, remember to make GoodSearch.com your default search engine with LifeSpring Media as your chosen charity. It doesn't cost you a penny, but we get about one cent for every search that you do. It adds up. It really does. Special thanks to my motorcycle riding buddy, Kenny Metcalf, for being so generous with his time today and for sharing the miracles that God has done and is doing in his life. Be sure to check out his website at justaband.com. Also, don't forget to go by lifespringmedia.com and and click on the link for Carmen Tyler for her song, Love Me So. Maybe we can get her song in the new movie, Punisher Warzone. And this week, I have yet another music luminary scheduled to drop by the house for a visit, and I just got an email from somebody else who wants to talk. Seems like God is kind of opening these doors left and right for me, so please... Email me at steve.lifespring at gmail.com or call the toll-free comment line at 877-433-9091 and leave comments at the show notes page at lifespringmedia.com. Wow, this has been a very, very busy day. Thank you so much for sticking with me. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for being a part of the LifeSpring family. Until next time, I'm Steve Webb. God bless you. God bless you.